Connor Karen. Screen shot went wide of the net. Martin battling feverishly in front with Alston. Right, comes over to join in the fray. Defenseman Carlson's lost his stick. They score! The defender lost his stick. And Kasperi Kapanen has ended the game. The Maple Leafs win it 4-3. From his amazing goal, clinching World Junior Gold, to now this goal tonight, man, what a couple of years has been for Kasperi Kapanen. Um, I thought guys like that were a dime a dozen, Dave. I thought so too. Uh, I thought he wasn't uh, going to be an NHL caliber player, but uh, two two goals tonight uh, proved it wrong, I guess. <laughs> and man, what a goal in OT. <sighs> we'll try uh, to contain our excitement a little bit here. I'm still a little bit shocked because... Yeah, the, the Leafs were, you know, for the most part, controlling play. But at times, Washington, when they had them in their zone, holy hell, did they hem them in hard. Oh. I think they had something like 58 shot attempts midway through the second period, from the third period to the end of the second, or middle of the second OT. It was something like that. I had to go back and look it up. But it was it was nuts, man. Yeah, you had to hold your breath there. Um, I mean, to lose Roman Polak, which meant more Martin Marinson, and then... You just look the cap. I mean, the Capitals were not were not executing a lot of the like a lot of shots were going wide, a lot of plays were going, and Freddie Anderson just got to give that guy a ovation, like a round of applause. And then when, when you're seeing Riley at 40 minutes, Jake Gardner at 40 minutes, Hunwick, I think he finished close to 40 if I'm not wrong. Like you, you knew that it was going to be a how how should I put it? You know when your heart kind of beats out of your chest? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that's where I'm going at. Martin Marinson played 30 minutes tonight. Wow. Humwick um, played 35-46. And how, what, a, what did our boy Connor Carrick finish with? Uh, he didn't play too much, actually. 18-44. Six minutes more than the last game. Progress. Right. Well, I mean, there was two more periods tonight. But I was kind of surprised at how well Marinson played, especially on the penalty kill. I think he kind of got woken up a bit in the second period. He was getting into more skirmishes with guys, um, playing a little more physical. I think he finally shook the cobwebs, cobwebs off of not playing for a while. And to be honest, he's, I'm just going to put it bluntly. He stopped being a pussy. He finally started playing more physical out there and didn't look scared. And it paid dividends. I mean, Babcock put a lot of faith in him tonight. Oh, uh, yeah, he definitely did. And there were moments, yes, where there was, I think there was a moment where Oshi was coming in and him and Gardner were defending and somehow Oshi broke free. And I'm like, Marinson, why? <laughs> and I'm like, but, you know, he, he held the fort. He did what you needed him to do. And, I, I w- yeah, I was very surprised that, A, he's pl- he played four minutes on the penalty kill and one, and mainly in that overtime one where Boyle had the tripping penalty. I mean, I still think the best... Morgan Raleigh, I think, was the best defenseman tonight. If we're looking at guys that stepped up, I think Morgan Riley was the best one tonight. I think he was, but I think it's really close to Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner well, yeah. played 11 minutes against that Backstrom, Ovechkin, Oshie line. Yeah, That's I, insane. That's I, a lot. I, I'm, I'm just shocked. I, I am shocked that this defense was able to hang in there because you look at the Washington Capitals and they're not they're not putting guys out. I mean, they don't have to. They didn't have a defenseman go down, but 
you know, the, the leader was Matt Niskin tonight with 33 minutes. That defense was spread out. So that they should have been fresh. But uh, I guess be, when you have a younger team like the Leafs, you can kind of ride them a bit more. And they got the youthful energy. But, wow. I mean, for those who are saying that this Leafs defense was going to have a hard time containing this Washington offense, yeah, maybe they've gone some lucky breaks. But they they haven't shown they've shown that they can keep up with them, which is very surprising. I think we haven't stated arguably the most important player of this series so far. And that's been Frederick Anderson, Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner called him the backbone of the team after tonight's victory. I don't think there's a better way you could describe that guy right now. He has been everything the Leafs have wanted and a lot more. Well, I mean, when he was, he had 50 shots tonight in the, with two overtime with the second overtime. And then that power play late, he was very big on that. I mean, Anderson has been well. Well, we won't get too ahead of ourselves, but if we look back at this series and say who's the Leafs' best player, hands down, it's been Anderson. He's given them the chance to win both nights when maybe you know Washington could move, you know, get some breaks going their way. He's he's just been dynamite and he's been calm too. That's the other part. It's like you don't see a lot of shakiness from him. You don't see him making plays that get you nervous. He's just very calm. It's like he's playing playing like he was in Anaheim in the playoffs, which was that team just was was calm. They weren't really frantic. He wasn't very frantic, and that's that's the Anderson we've been waiting for all season. I think he's finally. I mean, there was moments in the season where he was really good, but I think right now he's really stepped up his game. Could agree with you more, and I think watching overtime, I don't want to say I was too nervous. Like, of course you're nervous because it's OT, but I mean, I'm watching Anderson and Nett, and the Capitals aren't getting much traffic in front of him, so the shots they're taking, he's seen them, and I'm like, they're not going to score on this guy unless they get some guys to the net here. So it was kind of a, I guess his calmness could be channeled not only through the team, like the guys are saying, but to fans as well. I mean, when you watch him, when he's zoned in, <laughs> oh, that especially oh, hell. That, that glove hand. How many times is he robbing Ovechkin with his glove? How many times are like you said it right there is when he's been beat is when guys are getting traffic in front of him and he can't see the puck. I think both goals, I mean the Ovechkin one not so much. It's Ov shooting. He's most likely going to score when he's wide open. But the Carlson goal, you saw the screen that led to that goal. So if you get traffic in front of him, that's where Anderson tends to struggle. But you cannot beat him when you no, know, he can see the puck clearly. He's just in the zone. It's unbelievable. Well, they're calling him Frederick Henderson now. I've seen James Myrtle tweet that out and a couple other guys, and <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fitting. I mean, his glove hand has been off the charts. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just been. You, we have to find like a little Denmark somewhere in Toronto and just like paint the paint the walls of it, Frederick Anderson or something like paint a mural of him. <laughs> hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous were you when Alexander Ovechkin was lurking in the penalty box on that least power play? And then when he finally broke free, he pretty much got a breakaway until Mitch Marner saved the day. But when he was kind of lurking in there, how nervous were you? Okay, so just set this up. Uh, Jake, the reason why he's not on tonight is because he's in Washington. He watched the game. And I said... Well, he's like, at the game. He was at the game. So, <laughs> like, he's... he's. I, I remember I was saying... Ovi is in the box, and I remember it was like that last face-off. And I said, I hope the Leafs remember it's Ovechkin in the box. 
And as soon as I sent that message out to the chat, to our group chat, Ovi is on a breakaway and I'm going, no, not like this, not like this. And you see Marner come back. Full credit to Mitch Marner for getting back, making the hell of a defensive effort on Ovi. Thing, a guy who's been in the box for two minutes, fresh legs, and Marner just was on the penalty kill and he's able to get back and and get him. Like, oh, if if that's the way the game would would have ended, I would have it would have been a bit of a rage fest, I think. Well, Murder nearly skated the entire length of the ice to catch him, too. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the one guy you'd hope is the one trying to catch Ovechkin because I think he's 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 a guy that can do it. You see, I in the fact is you've seen Marner do that before, so it's not very surprising that he's able to catch up to a guy. But oh, I mean, you you have to think if you're Washington, like Ovechkin, that was probably the one chance, like really really good chance they had, and Ovechkin just, I mean, we, there was not much you can do when you have a guy draped on your back and Anderson in the zone. So full credit to the Leafs for dodging that one. Hey, is it just me or does Ovechkin look a bit slow this series? Like, he's getting older, but I think I'm finally noticing it a lot more. Yeah, he's not breaking. He's, you know, I think because of the more physical game he's playing, maybe that's taken a toll on him a bit. Yeah, he's he's not as imposing when he has the puck. You're very obviously Ovechkin with the puck. You're concerned. You're thinking, okay, what's he going to do with the puck? Not as much in this playoffs. I, I, yeah, I've noticed that he doesn't really have that jump to his step. He's not, he's not been the Ovechkin we're used to seeing with the puck, and maybe maybe injuries are, maybe there's something there, maybe it's just fatigue. I'm not sure, but no, he's definitely not been the Ovechkin we're used to seeing. I don't know. It's just been weird with him. I mean, the shot's still there, the hand's still there, <laughs> all that offensive skill set from him is there, but just the way he moves, it's not the same. No, and. If you're Washington, the guy that I mean, you're, it's good to see Ovechkin score, but that's a guy that you're hoping is gonna get you through this. I mean, now you just lost your second. You lost the game to the Leafs in a very heartbreaking fashion, but he's a guy that maybe when they go to the series goes to Toronto, he he finds his legs and he steps it up. But I, I think if you're a Caps fan, that's that's the guy that needs to step up for you. Okay, let's talk about the fourth line a bit here because, you know, last game they had their moments where in the third period in OT, they, they got hemmed in their own zone. They got they got caught out there for long shifts. Um, tonight there was two occasions where they got caught out there for long shifts again. Neither of them led to goals, but, you know, still things you don't want to see. Obviously the goal, huge. Captain's two goals were massive, the OT one especially. Um, what are your thoughts on that fourth line as a whole? It's probably one of the first times the Leafs can send out a fourth line, and I'm not worried, or you should not be worried about what they're going to do because, I mean, Boyle, I would say he, he's he been what I expected from him. I know people are saying maybe the offense, you'd hope a little, little more offense from him, but when you're being asked to play more defensive situations, that's what's going to happen. I mean, Matt Martin's just going to go and lay the body on anybody that's in his path to, uh you know, Tom Wilson was one of them. And then Kapanen is that guy that brings the energy to the line. And the that goal he scored, and then, you know, that his first goal of the game was even nicer. And it's a, it's a fourth line that has different mixes. I mean, Boyle with the size and, the, you know, his defensive reliability. Marin can bring the, you know, 
the pressure on the forecheck, the physicality, and then capping him with the skill and and you know the speed that he has. It's a good balance, and I think it it gives the Leafs a good chance to match out, you know, with the matchups and not force some of the other lines to play more than they they have to, which is I think helped keep the bodies a bit fresh and the rotations more consistent. Well, here's a couple of things on the fourth line. It's funny how important they've been because they've scored both OT winners. Washington's fourth line scored one in game yep. one. Tonight we saw, you know, the Leafs' fourth line. Um, to put in perspective just how big that goal was for Kapanen and in Leafs history, the last time the Leafs scored a, a goal in double overtime to win in the playoffs was the 1960 Stanley Cup final when Frank Mahalvich scored. Ooh, the big M. Right? Wow. that That's huge, man. So we're talking, like, <laughs> we're going way back way since the last time this happened. Back. Man. And just to clarify, that was a road goal. So that was the last time a road double overtime okay. winner was scored. I was about to say, I mean, I think uh, Steve Thomas and Gary Roberts would have something to say about that. But Yeah, yeah, at home. Yeah, I remember those two. Oh, yeah. Would have been remiss to, to not mention them. <laughs> yeah, no. And, yeah, to do it on the road, that's the most important part. I mean, if you thought, if you think the Leafs were going to have any shot of doing anything in this series, they were they had to do something in Washington. And think they were very close to winning the first game. I mean, they went to went to overtime the first game, and this one, they took an overtime. I mean, that that says a lot about what this team is. I mean, I said this team is not a bad road team, and the last time they played Washington, they played very close. It was a one goal game, so this is something I was expecting. Was I expecting it to be, be a split? Probably not. I thought Washington would would try to run away with it at home, but give the Leafs credit for uh, for that, for keeping up with them. I'm still, I don't want to say shocked that they got a split in Washington because shocked would be a little too strong, yeah, but I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. I mean, people, anybody who had them winning in, you know, the Caps winning in five, I mean, we had it, I had it in six because I thought maybe the Leafs would win a game both games at home but then early one game at home and then Washington closes it out I, I figured the Leafs could pull off winning in Washington but I didn't think it was going to be like this in overtime especially the Leafs have not exactly been the best overtime team in the league uh, we've talked about that nope. many times <laughs> so um, that's where that's where I, I'm surprised not because they won on the road, but because they won in overtime on the road. And they had a chance to do it twice. I mean, we look at it, they're a few plays away from being up 2-0 in this series. Now, you could say the same thing. They're a few plays away from being down 2-0. But just to give you how uh, how close the series has actually been, I mean, it's nuts. And if you want to hear something even more interesting, the Capitals have only led for 3 minutes and 19 seconds during these first two games. <laughs> combined. That's it. Man. Um, I guess I could believe that. Well, I mean, it helps when the Leafs, uh, you know, they score the first goal in both games. That that really does help. Um, it also doesn't help when the Leafs blow a lead in the first game. Uh, I, I give them a lot of credit for when Washington scores, they're immediately back to pressing because we've seen in the past where if the Leafs gets you know one or two, you know. With the opposing team gets a couple goals after they've scored the first goal, they kind of shut down. But you have to give them credit; they just were very 
up to it. They didn't want to get back behind too much. They just were persist- persistent. And you, this is what I think the Leafs team, this is like the identity of this Leafs team is just no quit. Even if you're down, they're going to find a way to get back. I think it started with that Pittsburgh game. They show that they had some a way to get over the hump, you know, the adver- overcome the adversity, and I think that really did help going into the series. Yeah, let's talk about entering Game Three a bit. They're coming back home. Um, it's going to be a huge wave of emotion, especially from the fan base. Oh yeah. But the defense is depleted. Roman Polak's done for the year with a lower body injury. Yeah. That no, was gruesome, by the way. It was just no surprise. Ugh, it was nasty. I, I I watched it a couple of times, and I don't know how my stomach was able to watch that. That's just very, very unfortunate because Roman Polak has been has actually played really well. Him and Hunwick have taken. They've the been most, lights out, man. The past fifteen games, they have been taking the most licks. We've been giving them their fair share of licks too on the podcast, and they have stepped up. I guess that's what you expect from the veterans, but man, that losing Polak does suck. If you're a Leafs fan. Um, you're hoping Nikita Zaitsev finds a way to get back the next game because uh, having Marchenko and Mernson is is asking a lot. Like I, I think if you're Riley, <laughs> Hunwick, and Gardner, you're just like, oh man, like don't even send them to the rink tomorrow. They, those three just need ice, um, like an ice suit to like heal them up for the next game. Okay, let's say Zaitsev can't play. How do you deploy the minutes? Like, you can't play Riley and Gardner 40 again, but they're going to play 30. But how do you deploy everybody else? Because we've seen Connor Carrick, you know, we thought he was going to be the fifth man in this sort of defensive rotation. He hasn't. He's kind of been buried away in the depth chart. Um, Babcock doesn't even shelter him. He seldom uses him. So does that mean he gets bumped up and Marchenko is turning into that role, or how do you think it's going to work out? Oh Well, okay, this is the way I think of it. You either have, you know, you bring back the Connor Carrick and Jake Gardner pairing, which wasn't too bad during the year. Um, I, I think the problem, th- I think it actually helps now that they're at home and they can control the matchups, and maybe they can get Gardner and Carrick together. Like you kind of rotate. I, I think I don't think you're going to see a set line of Marinson and Marchenko. I just don't see it. I just think Babcock will maybe do some rotations there. Maybe maybe Carrick goes back with Riley and Hunwick goes with Mar- with Marchenko. Like, something like that. I, I just can't see Marinson and Marchenko together. I don't think Babcock will want to do that. Carrick will probably have to play more if Zaitsev is not able to go. I, I think that's the only way you're going to go. Because I don't think he has the, the faith in Marchenko. Because he would have played him if... If when Zaitsev was hurt, so something is going to happen there. I think it's going to be Carrick getting more minutes, either with Riley or Gardner. I think Hunwick might be moved around as well. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how he's going to deploy them because it's clear he has a ton of faith in Gardner. Um, understandably so. The guy's yep. been um, he's been really really good this year. Like there's no <laughs> there's no way around it. And we saw again tonight he's been phenomenal. But who his partner is going to be is going to be the question mark because. It's clear Babcock wants to have Gardner against that Baxter of Oshi line, so who do you put with him to go against that line? I mean, there was times where Gardner was out with Carrick. There were, I mean, it wasn't very long, so maybe that that happens. 
maybe you put I think they're going to probably do Marinson if you're going to do it and then maybe you have it's just I don't know he's really hasn't really stuck with the whole hand in this situation because you know Hunwick and Riley are both left-handed shots Gardner and Marinson are both left-handed shots Carrick is the only right-handed shot he was the only one with Polak out and then you got Marchenko, who's a right-hand shot. So I don't think he's going to look at that. I think he's just going to look at what the matchups are. If it's an offset offensive zone situation, I think he puts Carrick and Gardner together. I think Marinson will get will just be used heavily on the penalty kill. I don't want to say he's using the defensive zone, but I guess maybe you'll have him with Gardner if that's the case. It's going to be really tough. I mean, Babcock's going to earn his salary the next couple of games. His options are limited, man. So he's going to have to either get really creative or I think maybe lucky a little bit too, to be quite honest, because let's face it, the talent gap from the Capitals forwards to the least, (laughs) it's gargantuan at the moment. I think if you're Washington, maybe you're breathing a bit of a sigh of relief knowing that Polak is not playing. So maybe there's something to capitalize on there, but... I'm also curious if they're gonna if they're gonna call up someone from the Mar- I mean, I think they have to call up someone from the Marlies if they're if Polak's out. So you, I'm really curious if they call up someone or like who they're gonna call up when they make that call up. I'm looking at a guy maybe like Justin Hull, just a right, guy that can come in and just play the defensive situations. At this point, you're not looking for offense from your blue line. I think you're just relying on what your forwards can do. So that's another thing to look at too, but uh, it's just going to be very tough to know what what's going to happen. Well, considering the fact that Zaitsev skated this morning, I think he's closer to back than they're leading on. So I think if they were to call someone for the Marlies, strictly emergency basis, that guy's not touching the ice. Yeah, I, I again, yeah, that's very tough. The Marlies have a very young decor very inexperienced decor and that would be just unfair. I mean, it's not like a Charlie McAvoy where you can just throw him on the ice and have him play 24 minutes in his first NHL game being a playoff game. That's just not going to happen. The Leafs don't have that caliber of a defenseman in the wings yet. So, yeah, I think they're just really banking on Zaitsev being back. And you're hoping that they take all the caution and make sure he's ready. I mean, he. I don't think he'd be on the ice if he wasn't cleared to be skating. So I think that's a good sign. Tomorrow is going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, he was skating by himself, so it was nothing too strenuous. But the fact that he was out there by himself, as compared to Saturday or sorry Friday, where he was on just the conditioning bike, you know, just stationary bike pedaling away. Um, big, big improvement. A lot of reports were saying that he was going through concussion protocol. So they were trying to see if he would pass, which, let's be honest, if he's not in the sling, if he's got nothing around his upper body, like in terms of bandages or casts or anything like that, it's a conky. Like, yeah. How could it not be? No, and if it's, yeah, it, it, it's not like where you can clearly, I mean, when you saw the hit, that's the only thing. When you get oozy, you think that's that's the one thing you go to is a concussion. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a concussion. I mean, and the NHL is trying to be better at it. I still don't think many sports leagues are better at it. So I think he could find a way. If not in the game three, game four, I think is is more likely. 
Yeah, so we both agree we're going to see Zaitsev during the series. I think so. I mean, unless the Leafs lose the next three games, we're we're most likely going to be seeing Zaitsev at some point. Give me one of your biggest keys for Game 3 at the Leafs have to do. Like, they played really well, but if there's one thing that they have to do well in Game 3 for in order to get a win, what would it be? Get the first goal. I think when <laughs> you get the first goal, Washington... They're, they're, the way they their game plan is the way they they get a little more I wouldn't say frantic but they're they're definitely not playing their game when they're down and don't take stupid penalties like that 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 Washington power play is too good they move the puck really well they have so much depth don't take stupid penalties and force your demon to, t- to take more than they have to. So, like, I would say those are the two keys. Scoring first is definitely the top of the list. Like, I and that Matthews Kapanen, sorry, Matthews Kapanen, Matthew, I, that's the line I want it to be. <laughs> Me too. Matthews, Nylander, and Hyman line needs to get something going. Nylander almost scored an OT there, but they need to get something going. I know it's been tough for them. Being at home will help because they won't be mashed up with Baxter more. So I'm really hoping that being at home, they can get something going. I'm with you on the special teams. I think that's a big area just because Washington, three of their six goals in this series, they've came on the power play. It's no secret. You get in the PP, it's a recipe for disaster against that team. Like, don't just avoid penalties. It's hard to do, but, you know, (laughs) it's something that has to be done. And for tonight's game, I mean – the officials, what the hell was going on there? I mean, they're, they're calling some ticky-tack marginal calls, and then they're letting go of ones that are blatantly obvious. Like It was perplexing tonight to watch because I'm like, okay, um, what's a penalty? I, the playoffs, everyone says you can get away with murder. Okay, but when you see it, how can you not call it? I'm not going to go too much on the officials. Like I'm not going to just pound them because they got a pretty good beating on Twitter and I mean, look, if a good team will find a way to get over the bad calls or at least try to, at a certain point this just becomes too much. But just that that overtime, you know, with the whole icing situation, I mean, the ice crew coming out on the ice and then them not knowing who was supposed to be on the ice, like that's... Face-offs, man, kicking guys out of the draw circle, like oh, every second man. draw. Ba- Backstrom must, like, must, must have been the guy's ear. Because he got kicked off, especially, uh, I think it was too straight. And I'm like, what did he do? I mean, you're 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 letting the guys take, you know, letting the guys play with like certain penalties, and then you're being keener on the faceoffs. Like, like really, uh, it's just. Uh, and Don Cherry has said it multiple times. This is the one thing I really do agree on, is that sometimes the refs just want to be a part of the show. Yep, and I do agree with that. This is it, just gives them a really bad rap when they do it in a playoff game, especially in overtime, where you know teams just want things to be called down the middle, no issue on both sides. There were calls both ways that weren't called. Uh, so I mean, the refs obviously have a hard, hard job to do, but when it's blatantly obvious, that's where it becomes frustrating. Tonight's game was just so bad for like. So much inconsistency. And I hate to bitch about the officials. That's why I've said it till the end because, let's face it, 
everybody's saying that. They don't need to hear us say it again. They can easily just go talk to anybody else and be like, you see the officials? They're awful. Like, you know that's going to come up, yeah. especially with Leaf fans who feel like we've been getting jawed by the officials since 93, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, don't. I mean, thank God I wasn't alive for that <laughs> because <laughs> that would haunt me. And it probably it haunts me just to know when I've like watched it back, just knowing the significance of that. I won't go down that road. I know people are just they want to get over it, but you just hope something like that doesn't happen, especially when it really does matter in the series for either team. I mean, not even just for the Leafs, but for Washington's sake, because then you know what's going to happen if something ha- a call goes against Washington, the Leafs benefit. People are like, oh, it's because of the refs, and then the other way around. Release fans will just bitch uh, and saying Washington got the favorable calls. That's what I hate. That's what I hate the most. Just let them play. I know saying that opens the can of worms to where, well, that's a penalty. You got to call it. But just use your judgment. Like the blame the obvious one, obvious ones call. But the ticky tack ones where it's like a guy's getting tripped in like a skating lane or something like that. Like let it go. You know, like it's playoff hockey. It's got to be pretty obvious to get a call, in my opinion. No, um, give me your prediction for game three. Uh, game three? Uh, I, I say the Leafs lose game three. I think if Zaitsev plays, it'll be – I think they'll still lose. I think it's going to be 4-3 Washington. That That's where I'm leaning more towards, although, I mean, it's tough to go against the Leafs. I'm just hoping not for another overtime game. <laughs> like, I don't think the and the Leafs fans shouldn't want another overtime game. I mean, TV loves it. They get, but I don't think Leafs fans should want another one. I don't think the the Toronto cardiac uh, facilities will be able to handle it. Never mind the cardiac facilities. This defense, man, I don't know if they can handle another one. I don't think they can. Like Riley, apart. Oh man, they're gonna want some Red Bull and I don't know what else. I don't know what you would do. I'm not as athletic as these guys, so I don't know what they do to keep going. <laughs> For me, I had a buddy text me after that the uh, after tonight's double OT win. He sent me a video of Rocky Four. We all know it, the famous scene. Rocky cuts Drago, and he goes, "See, he does bleed. He's a man." <laughs> the whole speech there, and that he's like, "That's how the Capitals feel with the Leafs tonight." He's like, "That's how I feel because, you know, Presidents Trophy winners, juggernaut offense." most complete team in the league. You go on and on and on with the praises about Washington. And the Leafs kind of cut them tonight to prove that, you know, hey, they're still the same team that chokes in the playoffs. They're still the same guys playing against us. Like, it's – they're a hockey team just like us. So, so what I you're thought that was a huge, huge, refreshing way to put it. <laughs> so what you're saying is we need to have the Rocky theme for our next podcast. Sure. <laughs> or this one. I mean, we could do that. <laughs> a little uh. training montage. <laughs> um. With all that being said, though, I still think the Leafs are going to lose game three. I hate to be that guy to kind of set you up and then kick you down like that, pull the rug from underneath you, but I just think we're going to see a very complete effort from Washington in game three. Maybe they took the Leafs a little lightly. Maybe. We've seen them throw some bad shots. They're getting frustrated on stupid things. that, Like like you said earlier in the podcast, Dave, Washington is not playing their game at all. So I think come game three, we're going to see a totally different Capitals team and 3-1 caps. Oh, you're going 3-1. You're going for a total down defense. I would say total out. domination. I just think the guys are going to be tired. It's going to be a slowed down game a bit. Um, take a little while to get going, but ugly goals all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I do agree that it, 
the Leafs are probably going to be worn down going to this game. Maybe it's just going to be a tough one. It's a tough one to call. This this series is going to be very tough. I don't think anyone knows for sure what's going to happen from here on out now. Yeah, I'm really curious. I'm really curious. I feel like now they got a split, all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, you. it's not – can we just talk about the Chicago-Nashville series for a second? Yeah, let's how, talk about that before we go. Like, and how that – like, the Leafs are pushing Washington – and the and the Blackhawks have yet to score a goal in the playoffs, and Pekka Rene has more points than Patrick Kane and the rest <laughs> of the Chicago Blackhawks. Pekka Rene's got more points than a lot of guys in the postseason right now. Like I think, well, how many points does Austin Matthews have? Because I think I know Pekka exactly has more. Like that is unreal, and both of them were, both of those shutouts came in Chicago, and they were dominating. So I think. I think Nashville is, uh, they're like the Leafs in the West where nobody's given them a chance to win. And they're like, oh, yeah, hot goalie, young guys are stepping up. And, hey, Chicago, your best guys are not putting it up for you. And I think that's, I think it's very similar in both. I mean, obviously, the Leafs haven't dominated the Capitals like the Predators have. But, I mean, the scripts are very similar. Very similar. But the thing with Chicago is, like, they're getting no production from anywhere. Nothing. It, it's not like, you know, the Minnesota series where they, they could have won game one. Like, they dominated. They had, like, 50 shots. Yeah, like, Jake Allen stole that game. So, like, Chicago's not even getting that. And you wonder, do do they go with a goalie change? Do they change the lines up? Do they, you know, try to make a big change? Because they cannot go down 3-0. I don't think they can come back if they go down three nothing to Nashville. I'd be shocked, man. I mean, we said the same thing years ago when Kings fell down three out of the Sharks, and we all saw how that ended. But um, <laughs> coming back from a three hole does not happen too often. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. So, so uh, that's going to be very interesting to see. This playoffs has been very, very good. Like, so I'm not... far, so entertaining. Yeah, last season. Meh, nobody was really paying attention. I mean, the Canadian teams does help, but the Ottawa game today was very good. Dion getting the overtime winner, which was pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> and then you got you know Montreal and the Rangers. That they've been able to make that a series. The Pittsburgh Columbus one. I mean, that's probably the only one that's come the way I expected it, where Pittsburgh just dominates and Columbus is just be acting like a bunch of goofs. That Mount Calvert suspension, or what? What the NHL uh, Department of Player Safety calls a suspension, which I don't. How do you know. like get a game? Like, not even the cross check. I know those six break pretty easily, but the shot he takes on the guy after he breaks his stick on him, he whole clocks Kunak. Like, serious sucker punch all around. I I don't know. The NHL needs to get their that, – that Department of Player Safety needs to get it together because you're going to see Columbus like, that's a game? Okay, let's see what we can do against Crosby, Malkin. Like, let's see what where the ante goes up because I, I think that's a possibility. I agree. I mean, you got to protect your stars in some way or another. I mean, let's face it. That's why fans come to watch. Like, yes, there's diehard hockey fans that watch the game no matter what, but you go to watch the Crosbys. 
the Vetchkins, the McDavid's, you know, the list goes on and on. Austin Matthews, you go to the ring to watch those guys play. That's why you pay a premium dollar to watch these games. That's why Leafs fans know, guys. pay all that money to watch those games. <laughs> if you look. Oh, man. Ticket prices for Leafs? Holy shit. $200 right now is the cheapest ticket on SubUp, and that's U.S. dollars. Oh, that's cheap. That's the I mean, I saw it as high as $265, $285 a couple days ago. So, sorry to cut you off there, but just just reminder, the Leafs fans are probably the ones that pay the most to watch their stars. Then most other teams will have better stars. No comment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no comment on that one. No. Actually, frustrated to look at ticket prices sometimes. That's why I'm going to watch it for Game Five, but it's sad how it's cheaper than me going to a game here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on that note, guys, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this post-game episode of the Toronto Maple Leafs podcast, brought to you by TipTheTower.com. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Credits, and you can follow Dave on Twitter at D underscore Morissuti. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll be back again after game three. Until then, take care. Sweden, William Nylander. The Knights, Mitch Barner. 